Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Post Game Pines podcast with myself, Mitch Gallo, and Sean Campbell. Uh, we are on episode, is it 98? 98 episodes? Yeah. Uh, that'd be uh, Yessi Pool Yarvi. Uh, sure. Right? You wore 98? Wear 98? Uh, I don't no. know. That's, that sounds wrong. No, he was 13. But didn't he wear 98? Or am I thinking Yakupov? Um, I don't think Yakupov wore 98 either. I'm, Why I'm, did pretty, I think... I'm pretty sure Edmonton doesn't have McDavid 97 and PRV 98. Oh, I thought uh, maybe he wore it and then he changed it and now he's 13, right? Could be. Hmm. I'm going to have to look that up. Or let me know. Just, you know, do what you do. In the comments. Exactly. And uh, Sean, by the way, I've uh, I've been away. And uh, not that I missed any podcast, but thank you. I was uh, on our, our page since I'm subscribed to our own site. And uh, great job on the Tyler Toffoli emergency podcast by yourself solo. Yeah, just, you know, giving my quick thoughts on the uh, Toffoli deal. I just give your thoughts, four pieces for Tyler Toffoli. What do you think about that before we get into the rapid fire? Look, I think, uh, Sean, I was very clear that I like Toffoli a lot as a player. And I feel anybody can move on this Canadians roster if the price is right. And when I looked at the price, what the Canadians got in return for Tyler Toffoli, it made sense. You know, you get the first round pick, that's out of the way. You get Pitlick's cousin, which is a kind of a nice story. And then you get another player that they want to make sure he wasn't a throw in. They wanted to make that clear to him, not a throw. Yeah. But when you, when you got multiple components here, uh, I like it for the Canadians. And then you look at the Calgary side of things. I don't buy into the Calgary Flames uh, just yet. I know they are the hottest team in the NHL while we're recording this podcast. And a lot of people are excited about the Flames. I'm not there, but I like the fit with Toffoli. And I'm sure, you know, Daryl Sutter said, I had this guy in L.A. We won together. Uh, he's going to come up with some big moments in the playoffs. He's got a lot of experience and he could be one of the pieces we need to win the Stanley cup. Uh, so I like the fit for, uh, to fully end that team as well. I think they're pretty good, uh, scoring up front. They got, they got good depth. They got some high end talent on their top two lines, uh, to me. And I, and I like their goaltender too. Uh, to me, it's their blue line, not, not Stanley cup caliber. And, uh, they don't have that true, uh, number one guy. I don't think it's Hannafin. And, you know, I just look at the teams that win the Stanley Cup, Sean. Just just go through them. They all have an elite number one defenseman that's, like, unquestionable at the top of the league, whether it's uh, Tampa Bay with uh, with Hedman, who I think is your favorite defenseman in the league, uh, who won the Cup before that. It was uh, St. Louis, and they had Petrangelo at that time. You know, Boston with Chara, uh, Washington, uh, with the with John Carlson, like every team that wins the cup has a yep. true number one defenseman. I don't think Calgary has that piece. Yeah, so it's, I am curious if they have anything else. I know that Chirot, not a number one, but it was something that they were looking at. And would they be able to fit something else in? I'm with you. I think Toffoli fits well there. But I also think Tyler Toffoli, it's proven that he can fit anywhere. That's the kind of uh, player that he is. Uh, Mitch, are you ready for the rapid fire today on the Post Game Pints podcast? I was uh, born ready, Sean. You know that. All right. So we are about a month away from the NHL trade deadline, a little less than that. And uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, they're going to be selling some assets. Some yes, some no. I just thought maybe we could try and get some trade values here 
for what you think the return will be for some of these Montreal Canadiens players. So why don't we start with Ben Sherrod? And I, I think everybody's hearing a first-round pick here because of what the market dictates when it comes to defensemen of his caliber. But is it just a first-round pick, or do you even think it's a first-round pick? What what do you think the 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 market is for Ben Sherrod? Well, I think it has to be a first-round pick. And then uh, a first-round pick plus, Sean, because the way I look at it is if it's a first-round pick, I'm the Canadians, all right? I'm looking at who's offering the pick and where I think they're going to end up in the draft. Because, you know, three spots in the draft could be the difference between getting somebody I want and not getting somebody I want. So, you know, what I'm telling you is you take a look at the Eastern Conference and let's say uh, Florida has offered me their first-round pick and Boston has offered me their first-round pick. I'm going to be much more inclined to accept Boston's offer because Boston is going to be lower in the draft than Florida, who is in first place right now. But I might go to Florida and say, look, Boston's offered me their first. I think it's a better spot in the draft. What can you do to make up the ground that you're mm-hmm. giving up in the draft? And if you can top it with a with a player that might fit in, even if it's a depth player, all right, now I've accumulated another asset. And I, I'd go to every team and try to pull that off. I'd also be looking very closely at teams that have uh, players that they drafted in the first or second round that haven't fit in with their team and, or just haven't cracked the NHL yet and, and see if those guys could move because uh, those guys are going to be closer to the NHL. So I, I think there's a lot to it with Ben Chirot, but I think he is a player that teams will look and say, man, that could be the piece that's a difference between us uh, winning one round and winning four. Yeah, I think that he, when you look at the list of defensemen that are available right now, he's at the top of the list because mm-hmm. of what he did last year with the Canadians. And first round pick, I'm with you. And if there are five, six, seven, upwards of 10 teams that are interested in the Montreal Canadiens pick, then it's not just picking which team has, the, you know, or is it you getting a 20th pick or you getting a 30th pick. I'm with you. And and I wouldn't go and try and get, oh, let's get a first and a third. The Canadians have a boatload of third and fourth round picks. Get a guy, like you said, that is 20. Get a guy that's 21. Maybe it's a guy that's going to just be with Laval and you have another guy they can call up that's reliable. Maybe it's going to be a guy that will turn into an NHL player when he's 24, 25. But if you look in their organization and there's somebody that your scouts say that will be in the NHL one day, Get it added to the package. I'm with you on that. Uh, all right, let's move on from Ben Trot. What, what will Brett Kulak get? Um, you know, I've, I've kind of changed my mind on this uh, mm-hmm. lately. Uh, Sean, I was at a point where I thought Kulak was playing so bad that a team might offer the Canadians future considerations. Or a seventh round pick. Now I'm at the point where I'm thinking to myself, okay, last year, what did the Canadians give up for John Merrill? And can you get the asset you gave up for John Merrill in a Brett Kulak trade? Yeah. That's how I kind of look at that one. Now, I I don't recall off the top of my head if it was a fourth or fifth round pick, but I, I just see the value between those two players being somewhat the same. I know Merrill's fit in really well with uh with Minnesota and he has even signed a contract extension. 
but I've always liked Brett Kulak. He does a lot of things really well. Uh, he's a he's a fantastic skater. He's got experience now. He's played in the playoffs. Uh, was part of that Canadiens team that went to the Cup final. Uh, he's shown that he can play on a top pairing with Jeff Petrie, Sean. Uh, I know that's not the ideal role for him, but if he can fit in on a top pair at times, I think that you look at some teams and their depth on the on the blue line, he could potentially play a full time on a on a third pairing. If not, you know, teams run into injury problems and he could come into he could come in handy in 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 those cases as well. I just I I don't think they'll get much for him, but I think they can get a piece. I think they need to find a team that's desperate to get a piece. And you you went up to the fourth or fifth, maybe. It's possible. Um, but I still think the Kulak market hasn't been determined yet because some teams are desperate and aren't calling about Kulak. They're calling about Sherrod. But the teams that lose out on Sherrod, yeah, Kulak is not, he doesn't do what Sherrod does, but you still are going to want to acquire another player because you know a playoff grind is long and you'd rather have the guy that's at seven or eight on your depth chart or even six with experience have been there, done that. And Brent yeah. Kulak is that. Um, just quick question on Kulak. And, I, and I'm going to say if they can get a piece five, that's fine. If it's six, it doesn't really matter. I don't think it's, you know, push or push or, uh, you know, come push or shove, just get something for him if you want. But just for you, if you're the Leafs and you lose out on Sherratt and you lose out on Dahan because Muzzin's out and you're kind of looking, where do you fit on the Kulak versus Travis Dermott? And I like, you know me, I like Travis Dermott a lot. I'm just curious where you would sit. You know, you're yeah, talking about yeah. a, a third pairing left defenseman. I, I don't I, I don't love uh, Travis Dermott nearly as much as you. I think I think they're I think they're a little bit different. You know, I think Kulak skates better than Dermott. I think Dermott's a little bit better with the puck. I think Kulak is a little bit smarter uh, than Dermott. Like they're different. Yeah. I think uh, if I was to choose between the two, I kind of like Kulak a little bit better. But if I look at the Leafs blue line, you know, I'm looking at okay, how are they going to find? How how are they going to deploy the, the the guys that are interesting to me are uh, Justin Hole, uh, Rasmus Sandin, and Timothy Lilligren. Like those are the guys. I'm like, okay, how how much are they going to play them, and what roles do they want those guys to play? And you know, I think they're trying to figure it out. Like you looked, um, uh, Labushkin comes in in the Columbus game that pulls Hall out of the lineup. But I would imagine the next game that they play, Hall will come in and Dermot will come out. Uh, they've been playing Sandine on the second pair. Like I think the Leafs are really trying to figure things out before they make a move. Okay. And I don't even know if that Labushkin trade um, negates mm -hmm. uh, what they were going to do uh, for a guy like Sherratt. Like Sean, I've said, I think Giordano might make more yeah. sense for Toronto than Sherratt. Yeah, but uh, I like I, I like the Labushkin deal. I think that's a smart move for them, and well, I felt I felt that that kind of made their choice of how they were going to attack this. Because, you know, cap-wise, it's it's going to be tough for them. But then this Muzzin injury, at this time, it, yeah. it may have freezed, freed things up for them to go after a Sherrod. And I think that's where they, or, or Giordano, that's fine, whatever direction they want to go. But they may not win that sweepstakes. So then they have to figure it out in-house or at a smaller scale. Yeah, it, and you know, I just, with, with where that team is at with the salary cap, mm -hmm. Uh, and I know how desperate they are to win now, and they're very much in win now mode. I just, how can you give up a first round pick when you gave up your first round pick last year and your first round pick 
from from the 2019 draft uh, has a brain tumor now, and that's an asset you obviously yeah. can't move for now. And you know everybody just hopes that he can be healthy, let alone play hockey again. Like you have all these uh, first round picks that either you traded or aren't going to be in the NHL. Where are you going to find these guys coming in at entry level? And then teams are going to ask for your other prospect. Like uh, Nyes looks like uh, is going to be a good find for them. He's playing extremely well right now. Uh, I think they're going to say no, Sean. I I think they want to try to uh, bolster their team without giving up significant assets like the one that Montreal would be looking for. Uh, That's why when I look at uh, the Ben Sherratt move, you know, I, I look at teams where the fit would be good and maybe they'd part with an asset. And that's why... You know, I, I like the fit of St. Louis. I've said that to you a yep. lot, and I just think he fits what they do. And I like the fit with New York. New York I love is the fit loaded with, New York. with guys they've drafted in the top 10 already. So whether it's a draft pick, which they don't yep. really need, or a guy that they already drafted in the first round, somebody that Jeff Gordon would be uh, familiar and comfortable with, I think that might be the route to go. Yeah, I think I think that's where they're looking. Uh, what do you think the Canadians can get back for a, a guy like Arturi Lekkinen? He's having a decent offensive season. Showed that he produced the playoffs last year. He's an RFA, not a UFA. If the Canadians were going to move on from him, what's what's the return for a guy like Arturi Lekkinen? Well, you know the the contract makes it interesting since he'll be under team control. Uh, so that that's a big factor. Yeah, but uh, you know, as some uh, who listen to the podcast would know, I work with Mitch Melnick. I think the Canadians could get a first-round pick from Artur- for, for Arturi Lekkanen. To me, a team would have to be really stupid to do that. Mm-hmm. I I really value first-round picks. I, th- I think that's how you build your team. And if you have a star-studded uh, team where you're spending a lot of money, that's how you get good players at entry level. You know, look at what, uh, for years, uh, Washington, for instance, was able to do. You know, they bring in guys like Vrana on entry level who played very well while guys like Backstrom, Carlson, and Ovechkin were making big money. And then they were able to use Vrana as a piece to get a guy like Mantha, another young player. Good teams do stuff like that. And and they use those first-round picks to their advantage. So if you're going to give up a first-round pick, you got to get a, a game-breaker. Yeah. You you got you got to make a splash. You got to get somebody of significance. Yeah, like you know, to me, Arturi Lekkinen is a second round pick, you know, and 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 then so your your return is going to be a second round pick, and I think that's what it is. I don't I don't think it's even plausible for the Canadians to get a first round pick for an Arturi Lekkinen. You're going to get just, a depth I player. Just, I I think that people get giddy and excited because they look at what Tampa Bay was willing to give up to get you know a Barkley, a Goudreau, or a Blake Coleman. You know, and they give up significant assets and first-round picks to get those players. And Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup, though, so it yeah. makes it all okay. But only one team wins the Stanley Cup. And if you make those moves and don't win, then it's all for naught, and you look really stupid. And if I'm a team, I'm going to bet against my team winning the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup more times than not. So, yeah, maybe there's a team, and they think Arturi Lekkanen is the difference between winning the Cup and not winning the Cup. And if you think that, go ahead, make that move, trade the first-round pick. It's not something I would do, though. And and the other thing that you have to look at is I know that the Canadians are bulking up on first-round picks in the 2022 draft here in Montreal, but at some point they're going to have to start looking towards picking up if they're going to trade some more assets, uh, draft picks in the 2023 draft, uh, and try and get some first-round picks there. 
and less teams will be willing to get away of that draft. The 2023 draft yeah, looks a yeah. lot better than the 2022. This year, people are like, yeah, first round pick. You've seen, I think, five, six, seven have been traded already. And so their teams have already made moves and, and from the years past. And now it's you're going to see that, oh, I'm going to get a first round pick. Okay, when is it? Oh, I can't do 2022. Oh, so it's going to be 2024. Like they're going to push it back even further. Uh, and then you're, you're then you're really, really playing the waiting game. And I understand it's asset accumulation. But yeah, anyways, back to Arturi Lekkanen. I'd be floored if they got a first round pick just because of the way he, he, he is a second round pick that's developed into a second round pick playing like a second round pick you would get a second round pick for him or a prospect of the like, maybe a little bit younger, uh, but he would have been a previous second round pick in my head. That's yeah. the way I look at it. And, and, and Sean, just going on the first round pick thing, um, Andy Strickland uh, reporting that uh, the Predators are shopping Philip Forsberg. And that's, mm. that's a piece where I'm like, okay, now, now you're talking first round pick plus plus. And, yep. and if, if Forsberg moves, you know, and I, and we're talking about these first round pick. If Forsberg moves, a first round pick has been guaranteed to be moved in that deal. Mm-hmm. So now you're looking at Calgary, who's given up their first rounder, uh, the team that trades for Forsberg giving up their first rounder. Um, you know, there's only so many first rounders to go around with these playoff teams. Like there's 16 playoff teams. Yeah. Uh, how many actually consider themselves contenders where they're going to go out and spend? You know, maybe eight. And then if you have two or three of them who have already given up their first rounders, man, that's tough. like, and do you think Tampa Bay is going to do another one after the moves they've made in recent years? Mitch, Mitch, I'm telling you, it's not a bold prediction. At this trade deadline, you're going to see a first round pick for the 2024 draft traded. Maybe. Yeah, I have a feeling. Uh, by the way, Philip Forsberg, just in the Canadians front, uh, July, was it 10th? 11th whenever the free agency is i know we, we usually say july 1st but it's a little further later this year that would be a player i'd be interested in oh I yeah know. i don't know what kent hughes or jeff gorton think but i'm just throwing out there do you want to do um, another play player uh, trade value or you want to move on to soup and wine i mean we could do one more very quickly okay pick a player who do you think well sean uh i, I want to you think about uh, jeff petrie uh, i i think if if memory serves me well you're not in a rush uh, to trade him at all uh, in my mind, uh, he will be traded. There's no doubt about it. I'm but not, yeah, I'm think, not disagreeing I that. A, I think that's a move in the summer. I think it's way too complicated to try to get it done uh, with a deadline. I, I, I think having a gun held to your head and mm-hmm. and trying to do it on a on a clock is 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 not uh, what the Canadians will want to do or what they should do. And I just think you're very limited with the salary cap to try to pull off a player who makes six point two five. Uh, at this uh, juncture, I think it'll be traded, but I think it'll be in the summer. Yeah, and uh, that that I think you can easily get a first round pick for a guy like Jeff Petrie. I know that he's been traded for uh, less in the past, uh, but I think he's a different defenseman. Plus, I think you can really let his game shine under Martin Saint Louis, and then you can really you know shop him a little bit better. And and the market will be different at the draft or prior to the draft after the season. You won't be. You know, the trade deadline is 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 more for buying and selling and you're labeled a seller. You know, the Canadians with a Jeff Petrie, you can be a buyer with that. Not yes, you're selling Jeff Petrie, but you can be a buyer. And I think you could get an NHL player in return for Jeff Petrie from a team because you'd want to move salary and pick up salary. So 
for me, I think you can get a first and an NHL player that you'll be able to place on that blue line. Because look at the blue line right now. This is no shot at the, the uh, Kale Clags and, uh, you know, the Schoenemans that's been in there. We know that Sherratt's going to be moving on at some point. You're going to need a NHL defenseman to drop in that. Even if you have high hopes of a Jordan Harris coming, they need bodies uh, for that blue line. I think I think you can get an NHL defenseman and a pick in return for for Jeff Petrie, even if it's the summer. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, and I think there'll be multiple teams that want him, mm. and there's a lot of easy connections to make. I would think, and with with what they have in Detroit. That'd be a team that uh, I would definitely look at. Send them home to Michigan, a team that you could sell them on because they're uh, currently rebuilding, and a team that has really loaded up on uh, really good young uh, prospects. I'd love more insider, but he's not going anywhere. I think, Sean, uh, he's more likely to win Rookie of the Year than come to Montreal. He is not going anywhere. I'm just saying, Remember, I remember that draft, and I remember telling you that I liked him. You saw him at the World Championship. All right, it's time for soup and wine here on the Post Game Pints podcast. Uh, Mitch gets angry or whines about something. I'm not sure exactly what he does. And I tell you a good story that I've been following that I'm uh, pretty proud of. So I'll let you uh, whine first, Mitch. Okay, that's that, that's fine, Sean. And uh, actually, I'm going to whine about uh, something I was whining about on Twitter that you responded to. And uh, we kind of went back and forth on. <laughs> uh, today, I would like to gripe about uh, the wording of uh, an NHL rule which uh, we were both watching uh, the game a couple nights ago between uh, Toronto and Columbus. And uh, Spezza has a puck go off his uh, skate and in. Uh, We both see the play kind of differently, but maybe not even uh, really all that differently. Uh, The problem is the wording of the rule. And I think you would agree to that. Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing on the wording. Like, I know we disagreed on Twitter and, you know, what was a goal or not a goal. But that's because of the wording, and mm-hmm. we both agree that the wording, like the NHL rule book, was written by lawyers that want to, you know. Bingo. I feel like I feel like anything Bingo. happens in a game, I can, I can look at a rule and I can argue either side of it. Mm-hmm. That and 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 that's the problem. It's it's written by lawyers. And John, don't get me wrong. This isn't uh, just uh, an issue with the NHL. It's an issue with the NFL so often as well, and with so many different rules. In fact, uh, right uh, on my uh, bookshelf here, I'm reading a uh, a book about the the New England Patriots and uh, their their time with Belichick and Brady and the dominance. And yeah. there's a chapter that really goes into the tuck rule and the problem with the competition committee and the lawyers uh, going through all these rules and. Uh, making them so complicated and 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 diluted, and uh, there, there's a chapter about uh, the, the the guy in charge of uh, NFL officiating watching the game between the Raiders and Patriots, and having a glass of wine, and having worried all season about this uh, tuck rule that nobody really knew what it was about. And then he saw it uh, happening in the game that he's watching at a bar. And he says, oh, shit. And he knew that he was basically screwed. And his phone was lighting up because nobody understood the rule. Now, the NFL officials applied it correctly. But again, it was the wording of the rule that was stupid. You could watch that play 
I could watch that play. Sean, you know Tom Brady fumbled. I know Tom Brady fumbled. But because of the way the rule was written, New England goes on to beat the Raiders and then eventually win the Super Bowl. I watched that game with the Leafs. I know Jason Spezza kicked the puck in. You know Jason Spezza kicked the puck in. But the wording of the rule is distinct kicking motion. Now, okay. what? Hold on, hold on. Kicked, kicked is the. And by the, the way, you, kicked, you kicked, kicked, on hold on. Here's 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 the thing. I didn't. Okay, he went off his skate and in, and yes, there was motion of his skate going backwards and forwards. Was it a kick though? That's the question. He tried to he tried to get the puck in with his skate. All right, and and this is no. The he tried it's to get the puck to his stick. He didn't hit his stick. I don't think. I don't think so. But anyways, was, but that's the point. The rule is stupid. Get it? Go. Continue. So you know, Sean. Again, and 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 this is the same problem with with goaltender interference. It's 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 way too subjective. We have to have these plays and look at it and all just agree mm-hmm. whether it's a goal or not a goal. Now you made a good point and you said more goals equals good, right? Yes, I agree with that. But we still need to fix the wording of the rule. Now I don't know what the exact solution here is. I got it. I have well, the solution. There's, there's 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 two there's two solutions. I'll give you two solutions. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe yours is different. I think there's two. Number one, and I don't think they'll ever go for this because I think it's dangerous. And you know everybody has the image of Clinton Malarchuk in their mind if they've seen uh, him getting his throat slashed by a skate. Uh, the first way you could do it is just say goals off skates are fine no matter what. Mm-hmm. The other one, and and maybe you're going to find something wrong with it too, and if you do, I apologize, and I was wrong. Just make the rule, if the skate comes off the ice, it's not a goal. <laughs> yeah. So, so that means you're actually not trying to boot the, the puck yeah, yeah, I get it. I get into, it. The, into the net. If, it cu- if, if your skate blade is off the ice, off your skate and in, no goal. If you're able to keep your skate on the ice and you kick it in, it's fine. Yeah, but then you're going to get into these rules. What's the skate off or not? Is it above? Is it not? That's fine. That's fine. Check it on replay. I can tell you every time if the skate is yeah, on. Yeah, but even with replay, do you have? Then you'll have to have uh, cameras on ice level because oh, the camera's not on the right angle. It's above his foot. Anyways, this is the way to do it for all these uh, video reviews, and you're not sure if it's a goalie interference or goal. Okay, instead of you know having uh, command control, you get a room of eleven people that watch hockey. You, the play happens. They see the replay. They have two buttons in front of them: goal or no goal. Majority wins. <laughs> It'd be better than what they do. <laughs> yeah. It would be better as, than what as, they do. As outlandish as it sounds, it would be better than what they do. Okay, so just anyways, are you good? Yeah, I just wanted to rant a bit about that. Okay. I feel better now. Uh, do you want me to tell you about something that I feel like not many people are talking about, but I want to like bring it into the Montreal Canadiens fold here, and it, it brought a smile to my face when I was watching a uh, hockey game earlier this week? Sure. All right. And I, and look, it's it's interesting because watching the Canadians right now, there's a player that's actually you know kind of coming into his own for the first time in his career. And he, he got one opportunity with the Canadians. That's Laurent Dauphin, right? And I've been, Dauf- I've been 20, super impressed at 26 years old, yeah. putting everything out on the line. Feels like it's his last chance, his last opportunity toiling in the minors with uh, little stints here and there with Arizona before he was traded. Right. He went mm-hmm. to the Nashville organization and then he was traded for who? 
He was traded for Michael McCarron. Michael McCarron. And I'm watching this Nashville Predators game versus the Florida Panthers. Nashville went on to win. Michael McCarron is playing fourth line center. But he, had, since December, all January and February, has found a role with this team. Now, maybe it had to be the right team, the right time, the right situation. But Mitch, you know that I have said this. I have always believed that Michael McCarron could make it to the NHL if he continued to do the things that he did well in the AHL. And that was, one, either be the net front presence on a power play, or two, be an insane face-off guy, which he was in the AHL. He has found his groove. He's the Predators face-off guy, or one of the guys, not the, but one of the guys they rely on defensive zone face-offs. He's not a disaster on the ice. I know he's a big body that skates a little bit differently. I know that you've always loved the comparable to a Boyle, you know, who carved out a career because he was able to do that. He's sitting at 54, 55% in the face-off circle this year. He's 26 years old. He's playing consistent hockey. 10 minutes a night, but he's playing the same game every single night, finishing his hits, winning face-offs, going to the bench, being responsible defensively. Is he going to put up big numbers? No. Maybe down the line he'll get a little power play opportunity in front of the net, but I doubt that. That's not where he was going to make it. But this was his path to the NHL and watching him play consistent games. And it's like Lorando Fang. We don't know if he's going to be a NHL player next year. I don't know if Michael McCarron's going to be an NHL player next year, but I was watching him and then I was looking back a little bit on it. I was like, this guy, it's bringing a smile to my face that he's plugging away and trying to find his path to the NHL. He's found a path. Can he stay on that path? I hope he does. You know, Sean, I've always uh, had a lot of time for Mike McCarron. I was there at the draft when the Canadians uh, selected him. And it's funny you bring up all the times Brian Boyle as an NHL comparable for him. Do you know how many people got mad at me for that? Not me. So many Habs fans. And you know how it is with prospects. Everyone thinks every prospect is going to be the greatest player uh, the team has ever drafted. People thought I was saying it as an insult. They're like, are no. you, are you, Michael McCarron is going to be so much better than that. He he does this. He does that. I'm like, I'm, I'm not saying it to insult him. I think Brian Boyle is a really good NHL player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm like, Brian Boyle was a first-round pick. And Brian Boyle was the same size as him. Uh, but anyways, uh, nonetheless, Sean, I am uh, I'm I'm thrilled uh, with uh, with the fact that Michael McCarron is getting his shot right now. Yeah, so that is our uh, soup and wine here on the uh, post-game Pints podcast. Is there a player that the Canadians drafted that you still always wanted to make the NHL? Who is it? I'll give you another one. I'm still waiting on Noah Juleson. Always been a big fan of him, and I know that he's bounced around a little bit. He's he's finding his spot slowly, but maybe you'll hear that name once he finds his uh, groove. All right, to finish off here, Mitch, you got a yes. pop quiz? You want, oh, do you want me to go first on this one? I'm I'm hoping that uh, yours is just good enough because I don't have uh, one prepared right now. Okay, then I I like this. I okay. wasted it on you earlier today. <laughs> you wasted on me. I have I have so many ready to go. All right, so I'll just give you a pop quiz. How's this? You can play along by uh, commenting below. Uh, you know, click the link and let us know what you think. Uh, I know that Mitch and I like to test each other's knowledge. Well, Mitch, I'm gonna test knowledge of somewhere I know you were at. When we were talking about uh, the list of drafts that we've been to, uh, all the different cities that we've been to, right? 
Well, yep. I want to take you uh, back to the Nick Suzuki draft. Nick Suzuki was drafted in 2017, which was where, Mitch? Sean, they really uh, blend together. Um, we had 20... a very, we had a very good time in a certain city, and we were only there for like 30 hours. So it was Chicago. Chicago. All right. So he was drafted 13th in that draft in the first round, Nick Suzuki. Yeah. All right. So since then, in that draft, and I know you know most of your drafts pretty well, let me know who are the top five scores in the draft. Nick Suzuki was drafted 13th. He is the sixth highest scorer from the 2017 draft. It's 2022. Who are the top Five scores from the 2017 draft, Mitch Gallo. I don't remember which draft it is. Hold on <laughs> a second. <laughs> Once you get the draft, I think you'll be able to get it. Uh, was so was that the uh, Nico Heischer draft? Yes, it was. Okay, so Nico Heischer. He is number two. He is number two. Nico Heischer. So it was uh, Heischer two. Nolan Pat. Uh, sorry, Heischer one. Nolan Patrick two. Uh, Nolan Patrick obviously is not an answer. Okay, uh, just just I want to make sure you say that out loud. That's fine. Three was uh, Heishkinen, so I'll go with him. He is number five. Heishkinen. Okay. Uh, four was Makar. Uh, he was he's number three. So you're missing one and four. One and four. So mm. four was Makar. Uh, now, now this is where you know most drafts are known by the top three picks. Yeah. Now you're trying to get into. I, I got is... the four though. Yeah. Um. So Philly. So wait. So Philly was. Uh, Philly was two. Mm -hmm. uh, um. Dallas. Uh. Oh. So Elias Pettersson. That is the number one answer. Uh. Elias Pettersson with 187 points. Uh. So you have one, two, three, and. Five Suzuki is six on this list. So yes, all those guys were in the top five, except for Nolan Patrick. The number four answer was a first rounder, but not in the top five. And he was drafted after Nick Suzuki. Those are your clues. Um, and a very, and, and here's the thing. He, uh, he came to the bell center not long ago. Give you a couple more clues. And such an underrated player that not many people know how good he is right now. And watching him play live was, I was like, this guy, and I knew he was good watching him, watching him play live gave me a more of an appreciation. And maybe that's why I leaned towards this question when I saw that he was part of the answer. Watching him play live. So that means you were there. So it's either a game you called or a game I missed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I was saying that and I was like, oh, you're picking up some clues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so which ones uh, did you call? Uh, you called uh, St. Louis, Montreal. So Jordan Cairo? No, not Jordan Cairo. Okay, I think he was actually 2016, though. Uh... Though I do like Jordan Cairo and he is a very impressive. Do I have the right team? You do have the right team. Okay, so yeah, who, who's the other one that was always rumored to be in Pacioretty deals coming the other way? Yes, it's, there you go. Cairo. People it's... are yelling at the podcast now. 
It's Cairo and no, Robbie yes. Fabry moved on to Detroit. Yes, yes. You're getting closer. The other one that everybody thought was going to be part of the deal. And he is uh, looking to be quite the fine NHL player. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, though. I know uh, I got so far. Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Thomas. Yeah, that is the one 20th in that draft pick. So your top uh, five scores from the 2017 uh, draft is Pedersen, Heischer, Makar, Thomas, and Heiskanen, and then Nick Suzuki. That is your pop quiz for today, Mitch. Uh, you know what? I'm 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 uh, I'm proud of myself for getting four of the five. Four of the five were in the top five. Come on, <laughs> Robert Thomas was the answer that was tough. You yeah. know, I'm just letting you know. That's it for Damn us. Damn it. I went with Kairu. I was yeah. so close. Ah, you snooze, you lose. All right, Mitch, what does everybody need to do? Well, you got to uh, smash that uh, subscribe button and also uh, click and listen and comment. So uh, smash uh, that subscribe button right below. And uh, thank you uh, for tuning in to uh, episode 98 of the Post Game Pints pro- podcast. And yes, yeah, Sean points to his uh, cap. Uh, we are proud to be brought to you by uh, LeBros and Cunningham's Pub. Sean, I can't wait till episode 100, but next week we'll have episode Wayne Gretzky. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah.